Welcome to another episode of the Good Lion Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Higgins, and today, unfortunately, I will not be joined by my good buddy and voice you are used to hearing in this slot, Aaron Salvato. If you've been keeping up with recent events, you may have heard about the ice storms that are in Oklahoma and some of the power outages that that has led to. Aaron is a bit busy dealing with the aftermath of some of those storms. Don't worry, he's okay. Everyone in his family is safe. From that regard, everything is fine. But it turns out that electricity is an important part of recording a podcast. So he won't be able to join us today. And I think Aaron is kind of okay with the idea that he won't be able to join us today because our topic today is how Christians should live in the lead up and aftermath of the 2020 election. Now, there's been all kinds of conversation, and I'm sure you've seen tons of it on every social media outlet you've been on for the last, I don't know, three and a half years. You know, it feels like we've heard a ton about this topic. And if what you're looking for is who you should vote for or a breakdown of the platforms of each of the candidates, sorry, but you've clicked on the wrong podcast. I would highly recommend getting better at searching for podcasts because this one was never going to be that. You you should definitely be looking to like reputable news sources and things along those lines. We felt like it was just important to throw some quick thoughts out about how Christians should deal with the culture surrounding the election and the tension surrounding the election. The election is 100% in full swing, and it seems like the entire country is freaking out. Everyone is worried. Everyone is panicky. Everyone is trying to get the people that they think will be on their side to actually take the action that they want. There's all kinds of different, really interesting things we're watching in our culture surrounding this election. But what really stands out to me is that very few people seem really focused on the candidate they like or even on the candidate they don't like. I've had many more conversations about the way conversation is taking place around the election than I've had about either of the candidates. I've had a lot more people bring up interesting thoughts and ideas and theories around the supporters of the candidate they don't like than I've heard of actual policy discussion or things along those lines. It's not so much that people want to talk about the election. It's that they want to talk about how crazy the election is making everyone. That seems to be the real big conversation that's going on. Why can't we have a conversation? That seems to be what people are really trying to work through. And I want to talk about that phenomenon and how we as believers in Jesus can actually use that phenomenon as a great opportunity to advance the gospel and focus ourselves on the kingdom of God. According to the American Psychological Association, nearly 70% of American adults say that the presidential election is a significant source of stress. 
Just Google election stress and you're going to find a bunch of articles that basically say that stat in a bunch of different ways. That's how I arrived at this particular stat. Some of them are coming from psychologists saying that the clients that they're seeing or probably Zooming at this point are all bringing up the election as a major part of their emotional unhealth. Everyone seems to be freaking out about the election and the panic is widespread. And I think part of it is because the panic is now unescapable. When you're scrolling through social media, it kind of reminds me now of that feeling you get when you're walking down the street and you hear leaves rustle behind you and half of you knows that it was just leaves rustling behind you, but half of you wonders maybe that was a person. And so you turn around, but then you realize it wasn't a person. It was just leaves rustling behind you. And so you keep walking and then you hear them again and your brain immediately goes, this time it's a person and I'm about to be murdered. That kind of stress feeling. I feel like we all have that now regarding seeing political stuff on social media. You're scrolling through and you see a cat picture and you see a meme and you see something sports related. And if you're on my Instagram feed, you see exclusively things that are sports related because that's all the stuff that I click on. But you're always thinking as you scroll to the next picture, oh no, I'm about to learn something I don't want to know about somebody's political opinion. It's just hanging over all the things that we do. I notice in myself, I go to work and if I hear somebody bring up politics, I don't immediately assume I'm about to learn something about the people around me. I immediately assume this conversation is going to go poorly. Somebody's going to get mad. Something bad is going to happen. We're not going to be able to just learn and listen. We're not going to just hear out other people and then move on. And most of the time, the conversation actually does go well. A lot of the times when these conversations come up in person, they do just kind of go pretty okay. You know, maybe there's some division, maybe there's some different opinions, but generally it just kind of seems to be okay. And then we all move on. But with an election that seems to be mostly talked about online, because like Aaron and I have brought up in earlier episodes this season, the Internet basically is the public square of the day. Only you don't have to worry about someone calling you dumb to your face. So you can just kind of say whatever you want, like people who make podcasts. Shameless plug for something you're already listening to. Probably not an effective shameless plug. Either way. With the fact that we're mostly talking online to one another, what it means is I get to really focus on what I'm saying and I don't have to focus on what anybody else is saying. There's such a small amount of listening that's happening. And it seems like this is happening everywhere. Republicans and Democrats are both doing this. Rather than really engaging with someone that doesn't share your viewpoint, or maybe to say it better, Rather than really engaging with the views on the other side of the aisle, what you do is you build a caricature of them and then you attack that caricature. So to illustrate this, I know that I can scroll through my Facebook feed, which I highly don't recommend right now. But either way, I can scroll through my Facebook feed 
And I can see an article that's coming from a more right wing source where it will talk about the Supreme Court. You can tell I'm coming up with this example right now. It'll talk about the Supreme Court and how anyone that wanted to stop the most recent justice confirmation wanted to see all pregnancies end in abortion. And it's like no one was saying that, but it's easy to build that image up. It's easy to create that kind of caricature. And I'll keep scrolling and I'll see an article from a more left leaning view. And it'll be how if you were in favor of the most recent Supreme Court confirmation, then it must mean that you hate women and you want to control every element of their lives. Now, that conversation clearly needs to happen. We need to talk about all of these different issues. We need to be willing to hear from both sides of the aisle so that we can arrive not just at truth, but hopefully at truth and unity. Hopefully we'll all be united around something true, united around something that brings benefit to the country, brings benefit to individuals. And from the perspective of followers of Jesus, hopefully brings a small piece of God's kingdom into the world, brings a small bit of healing where it's easy for brokenness to be the the thing that reigns supreme. Now, when this conversation happens exclusively online, what you end up with is people just speaking to those who agree with them, just speaking to be liked and applauded rather than to try to actually convince people on the other side. I see you and I love you and I say this because I want the best for you. That doesn't seem to happen. And when you have these kind of bases pushing towards extreme ends of agendas, you end up with a lot of people that feel like they're somewhere in the middle, but they're in a middle that also doesn't feel like it's acknowledged or no one even admits that it exists. In a recent conversation that I had about the election, one of the problems that came up was to lean either way is to find that you're in agreement with a lot of people that you don't agree with. I mean, to some degree, this is always how things go when you have only two options. You can't put an either or choice in front of the whole country and expect that literally only two opinions come out of it. You know, show 12 people a movie and there's going to be more than two opinions about that movie. People will generally fit more into one of the two categories. Did you like it or did you not? There's going to be a wider variety of opinions than just yes and no. And some people are going to be very yes. And some people are going to be slightly yes. And some people are going to be slightly no. And some people are going to be very no. Now we're just watching that kind of a thing play out across the entire nation. And when you look at each side, it's really easy to be afraid of the deep extremes in either side of the aisle. Maybe you find yourself leaning more towards the left side of the aisle and you do it because you want to see affordable health care, perhaps. You do it because you want to see leaders that have actively said that they would be more focused on what scientists are saying about how we can avoid 
coronavirus spikes. You can be doing this for a variety of reasons, but then you also find yourself being slightly scared off by the fact that to lean more towards the liberal side is also to lean towards the side where abortion is seen as a valid choice for the end of a pregnancy or to be on the side where things lean towards a communistic mindset and where things at times can be viewed as anti-religious. And and so there's part of it that you like, but there's also part of it that you don't fit in with. The same might be true on the right side of the aisle. Maybe you find yourself leaning towards that because the abortion issue really matters to you and you're very pro-life. Because you hear them talk about things like religious freedom and liberty and you hold that to be very valuable to you. But then maybe you find yourself scared off by the bombastic attitude that has marked the more conservative side of the aisle. Or you feel like it's really important to be welcoming and loving towards immigrants and you feel like you're not finding that on that particular side of the aisle. And it almost becomes like the beginning of a high school movie. You feel like you're the new kid that shows up, you look around at all the groups that are available to you, and you feel like you don't fit neatly into any of them. And it becomes really easy to wonder, what group is my people? Where do I belong? Where do I fit in? Maybe you're listening to this because that has described what you felt towards this election. And I hope to encourage you, it's okay to feel that way. I think to some degree, it's actually God honoring if we feel that way. In a conversation Aaron and I had about this episode, he used the phrase that he feels politically homeless, as if there was a place where he wanted to belong, but he couldn't actually find where that place was. No one group seemed to accurately describe all of his views. And I think that that's a really helpful term. And I think that it's a great way for Christians to think about how they relate to the political systems of the world. Because ultimately, no one political system, no one political party, no singular ideology accurately summarizes the way that Christians should view every issue. To some degree, we will always be politically homeless. I forget exactly where I heard this, but somebody said that if you fit neatly into one political system, you probably don't fit neatly into the kingdom of God. I think part of what's helpful about really focusing on, I want to make sure that I fit into God's kingdom more than I fit into any other system, is when we think that way, it actually winds up just being the best thing for us personally. That's not the only reason we should think that way, but it is a really helpful perk. When we look at the anger surrounding the election and the hostility that people have as they express their opinions, I think a lot of that comes from fear. There's a lot of fear that if the outcome isn't what I hope for, I'm going to lose something. People on the liberal side of the aisle feel like if the outcome doesn't go the way that they want, that reproductive rights will be restricted, or perhaps LGBT rights will be taken away. Minorities might feel that if the outcome of the election doesn't go their way, 
they'll continue to feel oppression rain down on them. Conservatives might feel that if the election doesn't go the way that they want, there will be a huge restriction in their freedoms and they'll lose some of the opportunities that they hold most dear. All of these fears are founded in the thought that things need to go politically well for my life to be okay. As followers of Jesus, that should not be our thinking. We should not be worried that the wrong political outcome will lead to us losing things because what we hold most dear or what we hold most dear in our best moments, it's not something that can be taken away by the results of an election. What we hold most dear is that Jesus saw us in our broken state, came to earth to live a perfect life, died on our behalf and rose again to give us his life. And now we get to live life with God every day. If that's what we hold most dear, that's not something that can be threatened by this election. That's not something that can be taken away. Fear makes sense when a bad outcome becomes possible. Well, for the Christian, the best outcome is already decided and is not up for debate in this election, which gives us the opportunity to be a non-anxious presence in a remarkably anxious moment. While everyone else is panicky and worried and scared that they're about to lose the opportunities that they value most, we can be confident, loving, non-anxious presences in the middle of a world craving to arrive at being non-anxious. And that is the great opportunity that stands in front of Christians to be able to meet the world in a moment of need and show them how life with Jesus doesn't just teach you which side of politics you should stand on, but teaches you how Jesus stands above politics. Ultimately, this is the way that I think everything should work in the life of the believer. It's not that we try to show the world that being on Team Jesus means you pick one of the two teams. Instead, being on Team Jesus means that we get to show the world how Jesus stands over and above any kind of team divide the world could try to throw our way. So with so many things going on, and so much to consider, and so much to do, and so many media sources you probably want to turn to, to figure out what exactly is going on, I want to close on four things that I think Christians should be doing in this chaotic time. The first thing that we should do is we should make prayer our first concern. It is so easy to talk about how important prayer is. We all bring up how much we value the idea of praying. We all say that what we need to do most is pray for our country. But let me ask this. Are you actually doing that? Are you actually consistently praying that God would have his way in America? Are you consistently praying for God to make you a non-anxious presence in an anxious moment? so that others can see that following Jesus is worthwhile? If ultimately we're going to say that our first allegiance is to God's kingdom, then our primary action should focus on that kingdom. 
I do not believe that voting is the most important thing you can do in this election. I believe that praying is the most important thing you can do in this election. I'm not saying that you shouldn't vote. I'm not saying that you should give up on every other thing that you should do. But if we give up on prayer, we are giving up the most important thing that we can do. We're giving up the most influential tool we have at our disposal. Jesus calls us to pray. He asks us to pray for leaders. He asks us to pray for the well-being of wherever we happen to live. Let's make sure that we're focused on prayer. The second thing that we should do, we should be gracious when everyone else is being vicious. So many people are posting that if you vote for the candidate that I don't like, we're not friends anymore. How many posts have you seen where somebody has said, if you don't vote for the candidate of my choice, you can just unfollow or unfriend me. We have all seen those and they are remarkably frustrating. They make us all really upset. And we look at that person and we say, how could you possibly say that? Well, let me throw it to you this way. I don't believe there is any room for saying you either vote for my candidate or you're not a Christian. I don't think there's any room for that. When we hear the gospel shared in church, politics does not even come up at all. When you meet with a friend that doesn't believe in Jesus and you try to walk them through the process of what it means to be a follower of Jesus, you don't bring up voting at all. So why are we going to add voting a certain way to what counts as being a follower of Jesus? I don't think we can do that. People do things from all different kinds of motivations. I don't think it's our job to judge the motives of other believers. I don't think it should affect the way that we love other people. We should be gracious while everyone else is being vicious. Think about all the encounters you see between Jesus and people that were very anti-Jesus. What was he doing? He was listening. He was asking questions. He was sidestepping hot button issues from time to time so that he could focus on the issue that he really cared about. He was establishing the kingdom of God. And so because of that, he didn't engage himself in a lot of the side debates. Let's make sure that if we're going to be people that focus on establishing God's kingdom, we don't get too caught up in making sure people agree with us on what ultimately one day will just kind of become a side issue. The third thing that I think we should do, we should follow our conscience and the Holy Spirit. I believe that Jesus will lead his followers to do different things this election season. I think it's very possible that as a Christian, you can be led to vote for one candidate or another, or to vote for a third party candidate, or to not vote at all. I think that Jesus could genuinely lead followers to different outcomes because I believe that the main objective of Jesus through this election season is not for one candidate to get in over another. He'll figure that out. Don't worry about that. But I think that there are different ways that he's going to call each of us to act so that we can be more influential with the people around us. 
So you have your convictions. Prayerfully, Jesus is showing to you and revealing to you the way that you should act when it comes to your vote. If you are receiving that from Jesus, then I would encourage you run with that. Really hang on to Romans 14, 23. Everything that does not come from faith is sin. That means that what you do might put you out of step with other people around you. That's okay. Followers of Jesus throughout history have always been out of step with society. They have always been the outcast. They have always been on the outskirts. It's okay if that's where you end up. Because if you're following your conscience, if you're following the Holy Spirit, I think you're doing exactly what God wants you to do. Which leads to the fourth thing. We should prepare ourselves to take the humble seat. God's kingdom is not about political power. God's people have been in exile. They've been under the fist of oppressive systems. And they've been most influential when they've been most marginalized. Hearing all of the claims of taking back the country, I think for Christians, we don't need to take back anything. The world is God's. God will work everything out in his timing. God's goals have not and cannot be stopped by any particular election result. Your real king has no chance of being voted out. And if the election result leaves you feeling like you lost or leaves you feeling like your voice wasn't heard, remember that that has been the standard political position for the church throughout human history. I love the way it describes in Hebrews 11 as that chapter goes over a whole list of people who were faithful to God as it kind of summarizes that list, it talks about how these were people who these were people who faced violence and persecution. These were people who were pushed to the outskirts. If I were to quote Hebrews 11, starting in verse 36, it says, Some faced jeers and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. But in verse 38, it says, The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and in holes in the ground. They were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. I know that when I think about the life that I want to live, I would rather be the kind of person that Jesus looks at and says the world wasn't worthy of your life than be the kind of person that tries to make the world fit around the life that I'm trying to live. Rather than trying to establish ourselves as the ultimate power, we should remember the ultimate power is Jesus. He's already welcomed us onto his side, and he is in the process of establishing his kingdom. That is not something that can be affected by the election. It is a crazy moment in history. It is a scary season. It is a moment where I completely understand why so many people are freaking out. But that freak out is the perfect opportunity 
to remind people the presence of God provides peace and healing even while stuff like this is going on. This is our chance to show people that following Jesus genuinely makes things different. Let's be committed to showing people that following Jesus brings peace and hope and makes you generous and gracious. Not that it just gives you different things to shout in a world that all seems to be shouting. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Good Lion Podcast. If you like our show, please take a minute and give us a review on iTunes. It seriously helps out so much. The more reviews we get, the more people find the show. And so if you want people to be able to find the show, please go to iTunes and give us a quick review or a rating. We also love to answer listener questions on the show. So if you have any questions that you'd like for us to talk about, please send it to our email. It's goodlionnetwork at gmail.com and we'll make sure that we get around to it. The Good Lion Podcast is a production of the Calvary Global Network and it's produced by myself, Brian Higgins, and my co-host, Aaron Salvato. This show is part of the Good Lion Podcast Network, a network of Christian podcasts that Aaron and I started with some friends of ours that is focused on getting Jesus-centered content out to speak to all kinds of areas of life. You can check out our website to learn the different kinds of content we're making. It's goodlion.io. If you head over there, you'll find all kinds of Christ-centered, encouraging podcasts. Our goal with this ministry is to reach people all over the world with Christ-centered content that helps them walk closer with Jesus. If you like what we do and want to support us, please go to goodlion.io support. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.